Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> And how best we should respect and use it. 
And um, uh, today with uh, me is my returning guest, uh, phenomenal speaker, Barbara Hoffmeister, and uh, she also just happens to be an Amazon.com best-selling author of the To Be book, which is uh, it, the full title of the book is To Be or Not To Be, The Choice Is Yours. It's actually been one of our um, more popular shows when we did uh, the show where we introduced that book. And uh, she also has a Moments To Be audio CD. You can pick up both of these on uh, virtually any of the episodes with Barbara on thespeedwayshow.com by clicking the link to her website, or you can go directly to her website, barbarahoffmeister.com. And you can also get the to-be book um, on amazon.com. In addition to being a best-selling author, Barbara is an internationally renowned speaker and expert on the topic of human growth. In the last few years alone, she spoke to over 15,000 people, helping them to get their dreams back and the courage to make them come true. Barbara, welcome to the Speedway Show on this beautiful Christmas day. Well, thank you so much, Speedway, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas. Oh my God! It's it's so amazing to be Christmas already. I know. It, it's just you know time flies. Where does it go? I mean, the full year is gone again. It's just uh, amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure if I like it actually. <laughs> well, it seems like we were just at the beginning of 2011, and now you know exactly it's gone. We're, yeah, we're going into 2012. That's pretty amazing. Oh. Life moves by so quickly. You know, I keep thinking it that it will come that day where you turn around and you realize that life is over. And you're looking back and you're going, what, already? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's better if when that moment comes, you don't have many regrets, you know, because you took the opportunities, even though they might not work out, you know, but uh, you've taken the opportunity. You've actually tried. You tried to reach yep. your dreams. And if you go for it long enough, I can assure everybody that's listening that you will eventually reach your dreams. You just mm-hmm. need to keep going and you need to, you know, really make the effort and not give up after the first trial as, unfortunately, we see so many people do. That's yeah. true. So, so everybody now, that's uh, listening... You know, life passes by very, very fast, and, uh, you know, I've passed 60 just uh, recently, and I tell you... Did you? Yes, I did. May 29th, (laughs) you turned 60? I turned 60, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Oh, well, it's it's six months ago, but uh, congratulations. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, you know... (laughs) It doesn't get better with every passing decade? But I must say, yes, we do get better. We do get better, that's for sure. Definitely we do get better. Apart from wrinkles, I think our mind gets so much more relaxed and things are not so important anymore. You don't get worked up about every little thing and you start to really take life as it comes. You know, you're much more in the flow. I mean, at least I am much more in the flow than I used to be when I was younger. I'm much more visit, I'm more relaxed. And for instance, when I came back from a cruise a few days ago, and uh, and the first two days I was working really hard. I was so full of energy. 
that it surprised even me. And then I fell ill. Very suddenly. And I just took it. I thought, okay, my body is telling me I have to slow down. So for one and a half days, I did absolutely nothing. I mean nothing. (laughs) I just flopped on my sofa or in my bed. I slept whenever I felt tired. And I drank lots and lots of herb teas and water and uh, ate very little and gave my body the time to recuperate, to, you know, Mm -hmm. get the stuff out. And I'm still not 100%, but I'm not feeling bad because I didn't push and, and ignore it and say, oh, well, you know, I don't have the time now to get ill. Yeah. If you do that long enough, then you will get seriously sick. You know, you will get seriously ill, and then you you might not have that much more time. So I recommend everybody listen to your body and listen to your intuition. That's why we have it. <laughs> it's telling us it's what to do at the right time if we do listen. <clears throat> so now one of the things that makes this show so different is that we try to rely on the life manual as our guide for life with the idea that you have to have some sort of standard. Now I happen to know, uh, and I learned this on one of our past shows, that actually, uh, Barbara, you've read uh, a, a, a couple of different life manuals. And for those of you who are wondering what that is, if this is your first time listening, the life manual is the um, uh, spiritual text that speaks to you. So depending on your persuasion, it might be the Hebrew Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Christian Bible, or some other holy writing that uh, you like. And Barbara, I know that you've read a couple of different ones, but like me, you don't claim to be a scholar, so I'm not asking for a scholarly uh, in-depth analysis. But my question is, you know, one of the things that you and I agree on is that in, in many of these manuals, the the underlying fundamental concepts tend to be quite similar about, you know, how to live, how to love, and how to maximize sort of the effectiveness of your life. So what what my question <laughs> to you is, of, of, of all the, the texts that you have read and, and experienced over the course of your life, what is the most useful thing you have ever learned from a life manual? Uh, love thy neighbor, for instance, mm-hmm. and it says love thy neighbor as uh, I think as as you should love yourself or something like that. And yes. <clears throat> yeah, and I found this in in several of these life manuals in similar, I mean obviously different wordings, but similar message. And mm-hmm. what it means to me also, and I think that's what a lot of people don't look at: it's love thy neighbor as yourself. So that means you've got to love yourself first before you can love your neighbor. You know, you've got to love <laughs> yourself first before you can love anybody. And mm-hmm. and I know that when I was young, you know, my grandparents, for instance, they said, oh, you shouldn't love yourself or you shouldn't, you know, because that's selfish and that's conceited and all that kind of stuff. But I, I totally disagree with that today because... <clears throat> If we do not feel the love for ourselves, and I mean deep love, you know, love anyway, even so you make mistakes, even so you are not perfect, <laughs> and really love and respect yourself. And this is when you feel that deep love within yourself, this is also when you feel the connectedness with the spirit, 
you know, whether mm-hmm. you call it God or whatever that might be for you. But you'll feel that connectedness with spirit when you feel that deep love because that's what we are. In our core, we are love, full stop, I mean, period, nothing else. And once we get to that very, very core, then we have access to as I mean, to an abundance of love that we can share with anybody and everybody, and people feel that. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't, for instance, in my work, I don't consider myself the best trainer or, <laughs> or the best workshop facilitator, but I, I do, co- I know that a lot of people get a lot of learning from what I do because they feel very, very deeply connected. Not mm-hmm. even to me, Barbara, but to, to what I teach because they know that it comes from my heart, you know, it's not something that, I studied and I've prepared and I give the same workshop each time. No, when I work, I give a different workshop each time. I tell you, it's a disaster, and uh, <laughs> disaster because it's so much work, you know. But it's it's amazing because I really go with the flow, and the more I do that, the better I become in doing that, and and the more it comes just from my heart, it just flows out to the people, and that is what I mean with with love and connectedness, that is when we are connected to spirit, this is when we can share, this is when we have the abundance that we all want so badly. I find, speaking of love and connectedness to spirit, I find that actually when I am more diligent about tapping into that spiritual core, and for me I do that through prayer and meditation, I find that actually I tend to be Loving other people and feeling good about myself comes easier than when I don't. And my disposition tends to be overall much more cheerful. And um so it's it's almost like um you know, if 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 that spiritual base is really the center of all love, then when you keep yourself connected to it, then it allows you to channel that love through yourself to other uh-huh. people. Have you experienced uh-huh. the same thing? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what, it sounds like that's that's essentially what you're realizing yeah. as well. And, you know, one of the reasons I chose this topic for today is that, you know, the Christmas and Christmas, you know, has come to mean different things to different people. Uh, to some people it means, you know, the stress <laughs> The stress of getting gifts and trying to deal with family and, um, you know, that tends to be the focus. And we did a show just last week on coping with Christmas where we talked about, you know, how to deal with those kinds of things. But um, ultimately, you know, for those of us who love God, you know, Christmas for me really represents a, the, the time when we focus on celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ on this day. And we are reminded that the one thing that God and Jesus stand for is love. Barbara, do you agree? Absolutely. So when I think back at my childhood about my parents, you know, and my relationships, the things that stick out are the moments when we shared love together. So, you know, Uh with my mom, we'd laugh and giggle in the kitchen when we were making dinner or hanging out with my dad and realizing how many things we both thought were funny and how much we really had in common. And Uh my question for you is when you think about um, people who have loved you and love in your life, what what, what are the memories that come up for you? Well, 
<clears throat> for instance, my father passed away very, very suddenly. And I was just out having a drink with some friends. And uh, when I came home, he was gone. And and uh, the doctor was still there, the ambulance was still there. So it was a, a, a really a big shock. Uh, and my mom, she said, don't you want to see him? And I said, no, I want to remember him as I last saw him, you know, this afternoon. And she said, mm -hmm. yeah, but it would be, you know, you should say goodbye. I said, no, he will stay in my heart. I mean, I don't need to see the dead body. You know, I mean, it's the spirit is still there, and the spirit is within me now. It's It's part of me still. And the memory that I have is of us. We were eating strawberry cake on that afternoon. And uh, and he was pinching the strawberries for my cake. And we were laughing so much because first I got angry with him because I loved strawberries as much as he did. <laughs> and he mm -hmm. was pinching he was pinching my strawberries. And so <laughs> I I remember that I hit him on the hand because he was pinching my strawberries and my mum got upset with us because we were playing like little kids, you know, stealing each other's strawberries and so on. And it was such a lovely you know, family thing. I mean, it was really nice, very typical, and and we were just sort of playing with each other, my father and me. And my mom got upset because we were not behaving appropriately. <laughs> and and that's the memory that I have. You know, the last the last moments with my dad, and and they're so wonderful. They're so full of love and so so full of laughter that um, I it let me. It helped me to let go, you know, when he was gone. Mm -hmm. It really helped me. I didn't have to grieve uh, as much as I did with my mother because she went very, very slowly. She had dementia, and so it was very, very slow going and um, very different, very, very different. But I do agree with you. We keep the memory, we keep the loving memories. And uh, I feel sorry for people that really hold on to bad memories. You know, I know some people that really hold on to them. They don't want to forgive. They don't want to forget. And they hold on to that, and they poison their own lives with that. And for all of you listening, if you know, if you have some hate or, or you know, if you have bad feelings about another person that you're holding on to with all you've got, let go. Let go. You know, Christmas is a good time to let go of these things, to really forgive and forget, because it is poisoning your life, not that person's life. It's poisoning your life, not the other person's life. So learn to let go. And if you need help with that, get in touch with us, you know. But really, really let go because it is poisoning your life. And the other person probably forgot all about the situation a long time ago. Well, and it's important also to, to remember that letting go is not something you do for the other person's benefit. It's something you do for it's your own for benefit because what you're saying is you poison your own life. So Absolutely. you're letting go. It's not like you're letting the other person off the hook. You're not, you know, releasing them to a life of joy because, you know, they're probably living out their life of whatever it's supposed to be already. Regardless of how you feel about it, if they're yeah. supposed to, you know, if they're in joy, they're going to be enjoying it no matter what you think. And um, so it's it's oftentimes I think we hold on to those feelings because somehow, 
you know, mentally, if I just think about it long enough, it's somehow going to punish the other person. And it never does. It never does. No, it's like, you know, I mean, we know the picture of Father Christmas who has this big uh, sack of gifts, right? I think it's called sack, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, yeah. Of gifts that he carries on his shoulder. But if we carry, if we carry all this, you know, all the poison or all the hate and and disgruntle and, and uh, uh, you know, all the things that we still have that we drag along with us. It's like this sack, you know, you, you keep carrying it with you and it drags you down and it makes you feel bad and it gives you pains and and once you let it go, you will feel so free and life really changes and really, really changes. And it's, we need to look at the positive things in life. We need to appreciate. We talked about that last month, you know, about having an attitude of gratitude, about appreciating the good that is in our life. And we need to let go all the things that are not good, that have not been good in the past. Definitely we cannot change that anymore. That's gone. It's past. We can only learn from it and then let it go. And with the new lesson learned, we can, you know, react differently the next time a similar situation arises. And uh, that's really what I, you know, I, I cannot emphasize that enough because I see it all the time. People have so many fears and they have so much anger in them and they drag that around as if it was serving them, but it does not serve you. It does not serve you. You know, take the love and that's it. <laughs> take the love and the positive memories and live with that and you will have a much better life. I agree. And with that, we are going to our first clip. So it's Christmas time and it's a time where I just, you know, I just like to celebrate and I like to play. I like to play music. And uh, so then I thought, well, you know, we've all heard the Christmas carol. So what is it that I could play that we haven't really heard before? And so I thought, oh, I know. My sister, my dearly beloved sister Nyasha, who I love very dearly and um, who I think likes me pretty well, sends me a CD and uh, it's, 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 uh, it's called African Christmas and here is our first clip from that uh, album. It is a version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that I am betting you have not heard before. Take a listen. Oh, 
Okay, Barbara, have you heard that one before? I have not. I like it. You know, I had a <laughs> we had a Christmas a Christmas meeting with my Toastmasters club on Wednesday, and I took some Christmas music, but I was a little bit late, so I took mm-hmm. you know one of the Christmas CDs I have here, and I wanted to play it, and it you know the German Christmas songs they are all so tragical, <laughs> so oh, very serious. Oh and really? Yeah, Christmas here is very, very different. We don't celebrate in form of drinking and partying. and all. We don't do that. We just have, we, we are just with a very close family. Really? And we eat and we talk and we eat some more. <laughs> it's a little bit like your Thanksgiving, you know. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a family thing. It's very quiet, subdued. And the music is very serious. So I was listening to that, and I said to my colleagues from the club, I said, does somebody have some American Christmas music? Because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to feel sad, or I don't want to think about Jesus. Now I want to celebrate, you know. We want to have a party tonight. So let's just have some fun music. So I like that, yeah. Yeah, we don't have that type of music. So is the in in Germany is the is the somberness of it is it is it um, does it have a religious focus or is it just a family is it focused on the family gathering? It's focused very much on the family. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it has a religious background, but it's focused very very much on the family. Uh, the whole Christmas, of course, now young people sometimes they they go out, obviously because they're off and, uh, you know, some don't feel so close to the families, unfortunately, or they live away from their families. But normally in Germany, Christmas is very, very much a family thing, and it's it's quite somber, and uh, it's very quiet. Mm-hmm. So on Christmas well, Eve, we, we go to church, and uh, after church, we go home to, I mean, to one family home, right?, where we all gather and we eat way too much. <laughs> and then we sing Christmas carols. This yes. is what I do on Christmas Eve. We sing Christmas carols, the whole family together. And we have the Christmas tree with the real candles and everything. And uh, after we finish singing, somebody reads the Christmas story, how Jesus was born. and uh, And then when we've done all of that, then we get the gifts. Okay. So it all happens on Christmas Eve. And it's really nice. I love it. I mean, I really love that. But apart from that, the other two days of Christmas, they are just mainly eating. <laughs> well, you know, the focus here is on eating, eating, and eating some more. That's a big part of Christmas time. And Thanksgiving, yeah. for that matter, which is why, you know, come New Year's, then everybody wants to go to the gym because they're feeling guilty for all that stuff they ate. So let's talk a little bit about... Yeah, we'll be at the gym next month and we'll be talking about that then. (laughs) So let's talk about what love does and doesn't look like. Um, You know, early in my career, I am a lawyer, and early in my career, this is now, wow, it's been a while, 18 years ago, I volunteered at a domestic violence shelter 
when I asked the women why they stayed in that situation, because some of them, you know, had been married or had been with their, you know, the husband or the lover for years. And the most universal reason that I got, there are lots of other reasons, you know, he needs me, I need him, I'm nothing without him. But, you know, one of the things that I heard out of just about every woman is I love him and he loves me. And uh, why? He has improved. He's not hitting me every day anymore. He only hits me, you know, once a week. And um, I, I always used to think that was so interesting because then the the definition that we have sometimes with these that these women had of what love looks like was probably quite different from my definition. Um, and so my question to you is, you, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think about the way, the different ways that people sometimes define what love is? Well... I suppose once they got together, you know, in the very beginning of their relationship, it might have been love, I don't know. But when it comes to violence and when it comes to, you know, domestic violence you were talking about, where they get beaten up every day or every week or or whenever, you know, I mean, this is the thing. They never know when it will happen. It's not like every morning at 8 o'clock they get beaten up. They get beaten up whenever the other person feels like it. And uh, I'm always shocked that uh, people stay in a relationship like that. And for me, that has nothing to do with love, nothing whatsoever. You know, both people need help. The, The victim needs help because they need to understand that this is not love and that they can let go, you know, that they can leave. It's a matter of being in your comfort zone. You know, we talked about comfort zones, I'm sure, before. We sort of slowly, slowly grow into these situations. I'm sure that it didn't happen in the first week of their relationship. You know, it happened Mm -hmm. over time. And uh, so you get used to it, and it happens once, and you think, okay, he just had a bad day, or she had a bad day, whoever might be the violator. And... Yeah, I, I, you know, I can forgive him or her. And and then it happens a second time, and, and you find more and more excuses because it became what you got used to. Even though you don't like it, it still became your comfort zone. And we are so full of fear to move out of our comfort zone that it's absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, I just had this uh, experience on the cruise ship. I was talking to a young couple, and when they found out what I was doing for a living, they said to me, the girl said to me, oh, my God, I need to talk to me. Can you give me a coaching session? I said, sure. You know, let's just lay around the the pool and (laughs) and talk. And she said, yeah, let's do that, because I'm in a serious crisis, and I don't know what to do, and I feel so stuck, and so on. I said, okay, let's do it. And then I didn't hear, you know, I didn't hear from her for a few days, and I thought, this is strange. I told her not to do it on the last day, because you know how it is. Last day, you want to relax, you need to pack, and all that. So, So I was looking for her, and uh, I found her finally, and I said, well, you know, if you want to do a coaching session, then let's do it today. <coughs> and it was going to be free of charge to her, you know. I mean. 
I was on vacation, so I like doing this stuff. So she mm-hmm. said to me, oh, I decided not not to do it. And I said, uh-huh, and why? Yeah, because I don't want to ruin my holiday. I said, huh? <laughs> I mean, you know you're stuck. You're feeling bad about the situation you're in. You found somebody that could help you. And willing to do it free of charge, and you say no, and the only reason, Stephen, why she said no, rather not. I mean, I could have convinced her to do it, but why? It's her life. So, mm-hmm. uh, what I found interesting was that there was so much fear there. You know, she she wasn't sure what she might discover. So oh, this is I see. this is what we very very often do. We rather stay in the status quo even so that might be horrible, then to move out of it, because we don't know where we're going to move to, what's going to happen afterwards. This is already bad, but, you know, the future could be even worse. But it's familiar. Mm. Exactly, it's familiar. familiar. It's your comfort zone, it's familiar. It's not as bad as it sometimes feels. This is how you argue with yourself, you know. Uh, it's not as bad as, as it sometimes feels, and I can cope with it, and it's going to get better, and I'm going to change him, which you never will. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, in her case, it was more about um, about her career and about her work, but still, she was unhappy enough that she talked to the others about it several times, and they told me about it. And I thought, wow, you know, if it's something that really bothers you and that you you ask people, you know, you take people's time <laughs> to tell them about it more than mm-hmm. once, and then you find somebody that wants to help you change it, and you say no, and that's exactly what happened in this uh, in this uh, shelter that you worked in, you know, in this violence shelter. Uh, people cannot cope with that. They have even more fear of the unknown than they have fear of the known, however bad the known is. You know, denial is such a powerful defense Mm. mechanism against all kinds of things. And just two weeks ago I did a a show called Our Seafood Diet where I talked about the fact that I gained almost 40 pounds and didn't notice it when I was in college because that's how powerful (laughs) my denial was. And what you're talking about suggests to me that perhaps denial plays a a role in relationships where we believe that we are either in love or we feel like we are being loved when that's really not the case and we can kind of feel that something is is not quite right. Mm -hmm. Do you, based on what you're describing, have you found in general that you know, denial does play a role for people who are sort of stuck in that rut? Of oh, a big role, a big role. And, and I used to play that quite often, you know. I used to always fall for the wrong guys, and they didn't treat me very nicely. And I, I found lots of excuses, and I just mm-hmm. denied the fact that they were just not treating me right, you know. They might be nice guys with other people, but they were definitely not nice with me. <laughs> That's for sure. And uh, a lot of things had to happen before I finally woke up and finally had to admit, okay, this is not the right partner for you. This this does not work. And, yeah, definitely denial plays a very big part. Uh, 
we we paint we paint the picture in the way that we want it to look like. Yeah. Even though we know it doesn't look like that, it's not how it's working. But we paint the picture. We sort of make some corrections in the picture <laughs> that is our life, so that it's not quite that bad, and so we can cope with it, and it's okay, and I can live with that. And um, I try to help people understand that this is not really what life is supposed to be like. You know, you are allowed to be happy. You are allowed to love full. I mean, really. Laugh and love, <laughs> full out, and and also be loved, full out. You know, really, really, really have that deep connection. And uh, I can say for my niece, for instance, my niece is one of those uh, young people. She's twenty now, and she mm-hmm. never, you know, she never wanted a boyfriend that she didn't love. So she didn't have a boyfriend until she was seventeen or seventeen and a half. And then after about six months or nine months or something like that, she told us, okay, I'm going to finish with him because I don't really love him 100%. Mm-hmm. And we were shocked, you know. It's like, wow, but he's so nice. <laughs> yeah, but I don't love him 100%. He is not my man. I thought, wow, you know, at, at not even 18, I didn't think about marriage or anything like that. So uh, I was quite a bad girl, so, uh, and her mom the same, so we were, you know, looking at each other thinking, hmm, you know, very different way of thinking about it, and uh, now she's 20, and she fell in love last year with uh, someone on the internet from New York, wow. and, uh, Where is, yeah, she? is she in Germany? She's in Germany, the boy okay. is in New York, they fell in love, they met, they fell even more in love. And uh, they are in love, I tell you. I mean, they are in love, period. You know, they, it's, I mean, it's so lovely when you when I see them talk on Skype, when I take her, you know, on vacation for a weekend or something like that, and she talks to him for hours every day. <laughs> and when they Skype, it's like they're sitting next to each other, you know. They're so relaxed with each other. It's just so much trust there, so much love there, so much understanding. It's wonderful to watch. And... Um, that's what people need to look for in relationships, you know. They, you have to open your heart before you can expect another person to open their heart. That's one of the things. If we are afraid that we might get hurt, it mm-hmm. does happen, yes. But if we are afraid we might get hurt and we keep our heart closed, then why do we expect that somebody else is going to hope, open their heart first? Well, you raise a really good question because one of the things that I think is true for many people is that whether we're we're talking about a relationship between uh, a parent and a child, a husband and a wife, or siblings or other (laughs) family relationships, it seems like too many of us tend to put love and pain together. And Mm -hmm. we expect that if we love, we will get hurt. And so the best way to protect myself is to either love. not love or mm-hmm. try not to love or love mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I haven't found that necessarily to be the best model. Have you, in, in, in your work and in your counseling, do you find that people struggle 
with this whole concept of, you know, love and pain must surely go together, so therefore if I love, I'm going to be hurt. Yes, um, yes, unfortunately, yes, that's quite a common um, way of thinking about it because most people have experienced that, you know, they fell in love and and then, you know, their heart was broken, as we say, and, uh, you know, it happens. And I know that we smile about the young kids, you know, when they're teenagers and they fall in love for the first time, and in most cases their hearts get broken, you know, and and yeah, they they have that first experience, and sometimes we take that with us, and we believe this is how it is. Do I really want this again? And some people stay singles because they don't want this again. Uh, others <clears throat> don't open their hearts; they just sort of give a little bit of emotion, but they don't really show themselves. If you don't show yourself, you will not see the other person either. That's the thing. And it will scare you probably. If if another person opens themselves completely to you, you know, and really trusts you 100% and gives their love 100%, it will scare you if you can't do the same. It will be too much. It will be too intense. Uh, but if you can open your heart too, that's that's wonderful. Nothing better. Well, then, is your advice and your suggestion that you love in spite of having been hurt? Because yes. it seems like, you know, if I've been hurt before, that seems like a really good reason not to want to go through that again. Yeah. And, yeah, as I said, it is unfortunately true, and I've made that experience myself more than once. And uh, I have had my time when, you know, I totally stayed away mm-hmm. from men because I... You know, I just didn't want that pain again. But um, I do recommend, yes, I do recommend now, at my high age of 60, I do recommend that people love in spite of it because otherwise they will never find that soulmate. They will never find that person that really is the right person for them and they will never be able to feel that emotion of of trust and respect and deep loving and and being to- feeling totally loved like you feel loved by your parents or by your mom especially when you're young you know i feel so sorry for children that do not have that you know that example to live with you know that did not have good parents unfortunately yeah. there are some parents that can't cope with having children and all that so they are, you know, they're misbehaving and uh, they're not treating the children with with the love and respect they need. And um, so the children have very bad examples when they go into their adult life. They have not experienced that unconditional love. Most of us, fortunately, have experienced that from our parents. Yep. So. You know, parents listening give your kids unconditional love. That doesn't mean you cannot tell them off. (laughs) You can tell them off. (laughs) But tell them that you don't like the behavior. Don't tell them you are bad or stupid or anything like that. Tell them, I love you, but this behavior was totally out of whatever it was, you know. Uh, That's the difference. Yeah. 
the behavior yeah. was unacceptable, but not the person. So it's 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 a big difference, you know. You're not saying the person is bad; you're just saying the beha- behavior is bad. And um, then children also, even the smallest, understand that you love them and you appreciate them being there, but how they behaved in the last few minutes that wasn't quite the same. And mm-hmm. and they okay. understand that sure. quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, this takes us to, before we switch uh, topics here and uh, take a slightly different uh, look at love, this takes us to our next uh, clip, which is yet another song, a version of which you have hopefully not heard before. Here we go. Now, when I first heard that song, I was just listening to it, and I thought to myself, what on earth is that? That doesn't sound like a Christmas carol. When they started, and then they started singing, and I was like, oh, it's Jingle Bells. Okay. Mm. And it's nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like oh, it. It's well. nice and jolly and, you know, really nice. It is very jolly. So we are. Uh, you are listening to the Speedway Show, where we are talking to Amazon.com best-selling author, Barbara Hoffmeister, about why we should love anyway. And uh, we're featuring the music from the album African Christmas by Ed Gordon, Shaluza Max, and Friends. So on to this question of um, love. Why, this might seem like a really strange question, but, um, you know, why love? And... um, I, 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 I've, I've read that there are actually some physical and emotional benefits, physiological benefits that actually come from love. And so, Barbara, I would ask you, you know, why does it matter whether we are loved and whether we extend love to the people around us? Can we just kind of go on in a vacuum and, and live our lives out that way? Um, I suppose we can, but uh, it, it's not recommended because we are not meant to live alone. We are not meant to be alone. Uh, we need other people around us. We we need some social interaction. And just through the Internet, it's not quite enough. <laughs> Even so, it's going in that direction quite uh, uh, quite a lot lately. No, we actually need physical uh, contact with other people. We really need that. And um, it gives us, for instance, when you spend time with friends and you have a good laugh, you feel so much lighter. You just, you know, 
yeah. when you leave when you leave the restaurant where you had a good time together, you just have a spring in your you know in in your walk and you just feel much better you you feel higher, you feel lighter, you feel happier um also it has a physical um consequences when you are loved when you're in a good relationship, you are healthier. Your organs function better. You uh, keep less toxin in your body. You are just—I mean, overall—we are healthier, and people live longer that live in marriage. Uh, I have to say that, even though I am an eternal single. While <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> coughing. Uh, yeah, it, definitely. If you live in a relationship, in a good relationship, obviously not in a bad one, not in an abusive one. But if you live in a good relationship, it has a lot of physical and mental benefits, definitely. You are happier and you are healthier. Well, I actually find that to be quite true, that when I go out with uh, friends or... Yeah, I try to moderate my weekends and because I'm, I'm a, I tend to be a workaholic. And so um, I could spend an entire weekend just working. And I've tried that, and then I feel really isolated, and I feel lonely, and I feel kind of depressed, and then I walk into work, and I'm just kind of dragging because I've been working the whole time. And I feel like I didn't get a break, whereas if I break up that time and I just go, I give myself permission to play on the weekends, by the time I get back to work, I am in such good spirits, and I'm so cheerful, and I'm happy to be at work because I've had this great break, and I've laughed and giggled with my friends, and I always I always walk away from that going, oh, yes, I definitely should do this more often. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's always, you know, trying to avoid that cycle of isolation where I get so bogged down and, well, I've got to do this work, and, well, I've got to do this for the show, and, well, I've got to do this. And then at the end of the day, you realize that actually you're more productive at work and doing the work that you need to do when you take those breaks to mm-hmm. to, to socialize and be with people who love you and people that you love. For sure. Which then takes me to the next uh, thought for us, which is, you know, what does love really look like? A lot of times, and you hear this in, in marriages, especially if the marriage is not going well, right? You hear, well, I just don't love her anymore, or I just don't feel the love, or we have lost, you know, you've lost that that, that song, you've lost that loving feeling, now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, 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 it's sad. And one of the things that I have learned, I'm I'm divorced now, but... Uh, one of the things that I think I learned quite honestly too late was that love is not necessarily, you know, the feeling that you should be looking for. And it's, you know, when that feeling is not being expressed to you and you're not experiencing it, that that's not all love is. So the the, the question for you then is what does what does love in action really look like? Well, <clears throat> I might be the wrong person to ask, really, because me and relationships don't go too well together. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to admit that because I made a decision when I was very young that I don't want to have, uh, I don't want to get married ever. So, you know, I still live with that with that promise I gave myself when I was a teenager. 
And really? <laughs> but love in action or a, a, a good relationship, a good marriage that is based on love and it's based on respect, and I keep repeating that because the two things for me go very, very closely together, um, the, you need to work on that all the time. And it's not hard work when you're in love, you know, and if you start early enough, if you start, you know, right after the honeymoon phase, before you you start with the everyday nitty-gritty stuff that, you know, that the other person does different than you do and that you expect to do. I mean, I remember the living together phases, you know, when you start living together uh, and you've done it always this way and you live in your house and suddenly there's a second person and that other person does things totally different. And mm-hmm. that can be very annoying, but it's just small things. Marriage breaks up very, very often because of these small things, of these small habits where the two don't sit down together and say, hey, look, this is really getting on my nerves. Can we find another solution for this? But not like, oh, my God, this is getting on my nerves. I told you ten times. You know, that that's too late then. <laughs> you need to do mm-hmm. it before you're angry. And really work on that and talk about it and talk about it you know, with love and with compassion and say, you know, I've done it this way for so many years now and for me it's it's challenging that you do it totally different. Can we find a compromise somehow, you know, where we sort of get closer <laughs> to each other by, yeah, I don't know. I mean, But we need to work on that continuously and we need to communicate with each other and we need to show our partner that we love them continuously by small things, you know, just a little, uh, you leave a little note, for instance, uh, on their pillow or chocolate or something, you know, whatever whatever the other person might like, a little message or send them an SMS, a SMS, one, not 25 a day. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's just too much. I mean, in the States, you go nuts with these telephone calls and, you know, cell phones and, and <laughs> yeah, SMSs, messages. messaging. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, constantly, it's like my friend talks to his wife that he doesn't like very much anymore. He, he talks to her at least 10, 12 times a day. And uh-huh. they don't say nothing to each other. And, uh, and <clears throat> you know, and when he's at home, they don't talk. No, interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I find that pretty uh, scary and not pleasant either and not successful either. So it's not about telling each other, I love you, love you, love you each time you're on the phone. No, mm-hmm. say it when you mean it. Say it when you mean it and say it from your heart. Really give them, show them that you love them. Give them that little, you know, touch their face or just give them that special smile that only you can give to that person and you know and communicate 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 for instance when i went on my cruise because i went alone i thought okay i'm going to give myself the gift of a nice bunch of flowers because that's what they offered you know you can order some flowers and Mm -hmm. uh, a little note that said i'm thinking of you and I thought, hmm, well, I can't ask somebody else to, to do that for me, you know, that was <laughs> a bit daft. So 
let me do it for myself. Why not? You know, I was thinking of myself. And so I'd be happy when I arrive into my cabin for the first time and there's a nice bunch of flowers with a note saying, I'm thinking of you, Barbara. And I thought, that's a good idea. So I booked it, I paid it, and I was quite happy when I arrived into my cabin and there were some nice flowers and a note, you know. And so love is something that you need to give to yourself and you need to give to that other person 24-7 in small things with small gifts, <clears throat> and the gift can be a kiss, the gift, the gift can be uh, a flower that you picked in your garden, the gift can be a chocolate, the gift, anything, you know, anything. doesn't have to be anything big, but it's got to come from your heart, and it's got to come because you want to give it in that moment. And uh, that way you can make your relations work, and not... Not have we talked about denial tonight? Not deny that some things might not go right. Mm-hmm. I remember well, I was in a relationship for several years where uh, where our sex was not very good, you know. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> when we finally split up, my parents. Mm-hmm. I was a young woman. My parents were really upset because they liked, finally I'd found a boyfriend that my parents really liked and he was very charming and he brought flowers to my mom when he first visited and he kissed her hand and, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> a real charmer. And anyway, she liked was him. Really, huh? Yes, she, she liked him. <laughs> oh, she loved it. She loved it. And he was very polite and very well-educated, very nice guy. I mean, he really was a very nice guy. But he didn't like sex very much. And so our sexual relationship was not the, not very active and not the best. So after three years with him, I split up. And, and my parents went crazy. I mean, they were really upset with me. And I tried to explain to my mom. And, and she said, but that's not so important. I said, Mom, you spent so much time together, you know. And... I said, you know, he's so affectionate. And she said, yeah, he was always holding your hand and and hugging you and touching you and kissing you. I said, yeah, in public and at home, nothing, you know, yeah, he kept holding my hand, you know. And and, uh, years later, my mom said to me, I thought a lot about what you said about that relationship, you know, and how important it is. And she said, and I think I understand uh, now, what you mean? It is the really? physical relationship is also very important. It has to work. It has to work. You have to have similar interests. You have to enjoy it. You know, you have to give with joy also your body. What do you say to the listener who would say, "Oh, but Barbara, you don't understand." Uh, my children are the worst creatures on the face of the earth. They're really hard to love. Or the child who says, oh, but Barbara, you don't know what a terrible jerk my father is. He's an alcoholic. He beat me all my life. And um, I, I just I just can't love him. What, 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 what do you suggest when love, when, when people are legitimately really hard to love? <clears throat> well, as we said today, the topic is love anyway. 
uh, love yes, anyway, yes, it is. but don't spend don't spend that much time with that person. If children are really difficult, that is not the fault of the child; it's the fault of the parent. You know, parents have to be. Uh, they have to have a certain discipline with the children, and a lot of parents these days don't have that. I watch that quite often. They tell the child when we, you know, when you have small children, like let's say three or five or six years old. And you go shopping because you need to buy food. You go to a supermarket and you tell the child, and the child wants to come along and you say, okay, I take you along, but I won't buy you anything today, okay? You can only come if you don't make a fuss in the supermarket. Yeah, of course, mommy, yeah, mom. You know how they are. Okay. They do anything yeah. to get what they want. So, yeah, she says, yeah, I will do that. Then they go to the supermarket and immediately the child starts, looking around the shelves and what do I want? <laughs> and they will find something, 100% sure, that they want, and they want it so badly, and they get right I mean, now. Yes. Right now. And, of course, if the child is misbehaved and, you know, you have not taught them discipline, and I don't really need to teach them discipline by hurting them, by being strict or anything like that. You just have to be consequent. That means if you told them at home, I'm not going to buy you anything today, that means no matter what they do in the supermarket, you do not buy them anything. You do not buy them anything. You just stick to your word. And I promise you, after a couple of times, it's how you train dogs too, you know. (laughs) And after a few times, they will accept that. Mm -hmm. Children like me. Because they well, know when I say yes, I mean yes. When I say no, I I mean no. And that they find that out very very fast. Uh, they have an antenna for it. I don't know how they know it, but they know it, and they love me for it. Only because well, they know yes is yes, no is no. For them, it's it's very clear, and they like it. One of the things that I learned in watching, um, I happened to be watching a show called Dr. Phil that we have in the United States, and one of the things that I was surprised to hear, he talked to teenagers, and one of the things that they talked about was the fact that they actually liked having boundaries. And the kids Uh who were allowed to do whatever they were allowed to do uh, tended to feel much less confident and less... um, good about themselves and about the world because children actually need boundaries, whereas a lot of times the parents of those children who didn't have boundaries, who didn't have rules, assumed that they were being friends to their children and that they were you know, treating their children well when actually it turned out to be quite the opposite. So as we part today, we're at the top of our hour and... Um, Once more, Merry Christmas to everybody. Barbara, do you have any parting words that you'd like to share with us as we leave? Well, Merry Christmas, of course, to everybody. From my heart to your heart, I wish you an amazing holiday and spend the time with your loved ones and show them the love that you feel for them. Really show them how much you love and appreciate them. But only do it if you really feel it, you know. Don't do it out of obligation or anything like that. Really show them love because you feel love to your children, to your parents, 
to your spouse, obviously, to your family and friends. Show them what you feel about them. If you feel good about them, then show it to them. Give them little gifts. It's not the how much did the gift cost. If you make something with your own hands, it's in most cases more appreciated than an expensive gift you bought in the shop. So make something with your hands and, and, you know, give it to them with love and appreciation and you will get that back. You will get that love and appreciation back. So I wish you a wonderful, wonderful holiday and, um, yeah, just stay with love. Don't fight (laughs) because I know (laughs) sometimes when you spend several days with the family, it can be, you know, it can be unusual time together, but please stay in the love and love anyway, no matter what. No matter what. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Barbara, for joining us on this wonderful Christmas Day in 2011. Listeners, thank you for joining us on the show. You will actually note that when you go on the website to this show, if you scroll down, one of the things uh, that you will find is an article on uh, that you can click on as uh, one of our um, resources that will take you to 60, I think it's something like 60 suggestions for ways that you can express love. Lots and lots of ways that you can do it. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show today, and join us next week when we will be talking about uh, reasons not to make New Year's resolutions. And until then, this is Speedway saying, go in peace and love one another. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.